Welcome to the Connor Churlin Podcast, where I, Connor Churlin, meet up with a musician, hear about what makes them tick, what kind of experiences they're bringing into their own musical journey, and on today we have Arcelia Kent, a singer-songwriter based in Indianapolis who is in the process of recording her debut album at Naptime Recordings, produced by her brother Garrett Langbartles. If you don't know, Garrett helped produce the records for Colton Nelson and Devin Hopwood, who are both alumni of this podcast. Arcelia's album is set to release early 2023. Her new two singles, Monster and Death of Me, are now out on all streaming platforms, and you'll hear us talk about being the youngest sister of seven older brothers, as well as working through the idea that pursuing art means you're full of yourself. So please enjoy Arcelia Kent. Is it Arcelia or Arcelia? Arcelia. Arcelia. Yeah. That's great. My grandmother's name is Arsenia. Really? Um, yeah. So I was, how did you find your way to this name? What, what was your parents' thoughts about this name? So it's not my name. It's my, it's, not your it's name. just my artist name. Whoa. Um, yeah. So Arcelia is, it's funny you said your grandma's name is similar because it's my grandma's middle name. Okay, cool. And then Kent was my grandfather's first name. So Whoa. they were both. Um, my, gr- my grandma's still alive, but they were both involved in music throughout mm-hmm. their whole lives. And yeah. my real name is Kristen Kirk. And if you type that in on Spotify, there's a million names that are similar to that. So sure. I wanted yeah. to find something that was a little bit different that would be easier to find on the internet. And yeah. came across, I didn't even know my grandma's name until I asked my oh, mom. Wow. And <laughs> I was like, I asked her, I was like, that's perfect. I'm going with that. So. That's awesome. What do you prefer to be referred to as? In music settings, I go by Arcelia. Okay, great. Let's do that. That that would be this setting, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The setting that we're currently in, I prefer Arcelia. Yeah. Um, That's great. Okay, great. Arcelia Kent, pleasure to meet you. You recently quit, not recently, but you, um, in order to pursue music more fully, have quit teaching driver's ed. Yes. (laughs) And... Tell me, tell me all about teaching driver's ed. What oh my a- gosh, what a whirlwind. I only did that for probably five, six months. Oh wow. I started into it because we, so I moved away, I'm from Indianapolis, I moved away for college, got married, stayed in a small town about two hours from Indy, and then we moved back last summer, yeah, like a year and a half ago, mm-hmm. and I needed something to do in the meantime i'm also a photographer so that's kind of my full thing but i was moving to a new place and making it full time so i needed like a supplementation to go along with that my mom teaches driver's ed so i was like that seems like an easy enough job to get into (laughs) so um yeah i did that it was more boring than you would think um (laughs) sitting in cars with teenagers all day that don't know how to have conversations yeah Um, it was kind of rare that I would get one that would actually like be good at talking to you (laughs) yeah but also Um, they're so nervous probably thinking about crashing yeah and there was I definitely had to use the brake pedal a few times but um most of them were pretty good (laughs) yeah yeah what (laughs) do you have any like close encounter stories that you want to share well, I probably shouldn't share this. I'm not going to oh, share okay. the name of the company, but I'm okay, going to share yeah, the yeah. story because, um, okay, one time I actually think one of my students caused a crash, oh, but no. we weren't in it. Oh my God. <laughs> I, oh my God. I, I know. Well, and I'm not, 
I'm not for sure. I didn't see it happen, but when I turned around, I was like, oh, that might have been because of what my student just did. Oh, my God. We were at a roundabout. She hesitated. She was nervous about going into the roundabout, and she, like, stopped really fast and then kept going. So she kept going, but I think the people behind her, when she stopped really fast, like, a mail truck stopped really fast, and then the car behind it, I think, ran into the mail truck. Oh, no. So, yeah, that was a close (laughs) encounter, but did not result in a crash for us. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. And then, I mean, there was... A lot of different... There's someone almost ran into a building one time. Whoa, jeez. Yeah, I mean, there's there were just like a few different times there were definitely close encounters. But thank God I had the brake on my side. Yeah. Otherwise, we definitely would have crashed. Yeah, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Similar to driving in general. Driving's kind of boring, just kind of in general. Yeah, yeah, until it's true. really not. Right. <laughs> and then it's really, really intense and adrenaline. Great, and tell me about moving photography. Like... M- moving cities and trying to like get your business to move as well Mm -hmm. is like a giant endeavor yeah um how how far away was the place that you the like small town outside of indianapolis how how far is that are you still able to like do work in both places i am but i don't really it's it's about two hours away a little less than two hours from where i live so i can do work there still and i will like if people there getting married I mostly do weddings and engagements Mm -hmm. um I'll go back there for that kind of thing I was doing a lot more like families senior pictures and stuff like that when I was there but I won't go back for that it's just not worth the drive and the money but but yeah so I guess moving business from one place to the other hard in some ways but I also had a lot of advantages because my whole family is from Indianapolis and my family's ginormous and I grew up here so I like already had connections and new people and they knew I was doing photography so I had connections to start out with plus I wasn't doing photography full-time before in Wabash which is where I I lived before Mm -hmm. um I was also a gym teacher I've had a million different jobs (laughs) a gym teacher like yeah at a school yes okay wow yeah so I did that for three years, and I started doing photography on the side while I was doing that. Okay. And then when we moved, I decided to make fo- photography full-time. Okay. So, yeah, when I moved to Indy, I kind of just... I got on the Knot, the wedding website. Okay. Do you know about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So I got on that, um, and I got a lot of referrals through that. And cool. Just have made a lot of connections with people and word of mouth. And, yeah, it really hasn't been too bad. And, I, I mean, the... I'm thankful I have my husband because I don't have to be the one making all the money. <laughs> sure, yeah, um, yeah. So I, it was fine for me to kind of have a slow build with that, but I'm definitely getting a lot more busy now. Okay, cool. Yeah. Cool. Um, do you ever play music at people's weddings? I never have, actually. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. It'd be cool to have you on the knot twice. Yeah. Once. I know. I, I haven't even thought about that, actually. Yeah. One says your non-musician name, and the other one is yeah. Celia Kirk. <laughs> that, that'd be, that'd be kind of sick. You yeah. probably have to... There's probably some legal problems with, <laughs> with yeah, getting maybe. paid under an alias, but that'd be tight. I, I also recently did a move, and it's like, to more pursue my music career here in Los yeah. Angeles, like... Was there something specific that prompted the move to back into Indianapolis? It was kind of a a lot of things. Um, my husband was a youth pastor at a church, and 
that job ended and so we were kind of in an in-between and that town really just doesn't have a lot of job opportunity and he didn't mm-hmm. want to be in ministry anymore so if, if you wanted to stay in that town it was like you, you work in a factory or you work at mcdonald's or like sure. there just wasn't yeah. really a, like for his skill set i guess there wasn't a right. lot of options and the town was just getting a little too small for us yeah. <laughs> um so we just decided to leave and move back to where I'm from. We had thought about moving to other places too, but ultimately I have 19 nieces and nephews that are oh, in the wow. Indy area. So we just decided to move there and be yeah. close to family. And yeah, that's great. That's yeah. very happy. Um, I only have one nephew yeah. and the joy, <laughs> the joy of one is immense. I can't imagine having that many. That's like I a know. small battalion. Um, it really is. <laughs> you, you've mentioned in the, the EPK that you sent me, <clears throat> you mentioned that you were writing your whole life, but the only time you were performing was in church. Mm-hmm. Um, are you still like ser- serving in that, that kind of a capacity as well? No, I haven't been for a while. Okay. Um, we, I'm trying to think when I even stopped at the church my husband was youth, was youth pastoring and I did it a few times but then it okay. just became too much because we were doing so much with the youth group right. and I haven't since then so it's probably been two three years since then and we don't really go to church now so Got it. we go like every once in a while but not yeah consistently so no we're not I'm not doing that anymore you guys are really good with teenagers <laughs> there's like a real theme of like you know yeah he's he's working with teenagers i'm working with teenagers yeah in multiple really, different businesses yep i really love teenagers i think they're hilarious i when i was a gym teacher i was in a middle school middle schoolers have zero filter and mm-hmm. are like the weirdest breed of humans you'll ever meet which i yeah. love i think they're so fun yeah so i definitely enjoyed that and now my oldest nephews and nieces are becoming teenagers, which is really fun too. So, <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, what what is the age gap between? Because you're youngest of eight, so what what's like the oldest that we're looking at? My oldest brother is either is forty or is about to turn forty. Okay, gotcha. So he's he's thirteen, fourteen years older than me. Wow. And then my oldest nephew, I was twelve when he was born, so closer in age to my nephew actually than my oldest brother. Whoa. Yeah. That's a trip. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> okay, interesting. I play a lot of pickleball. And, I love pickleball. Um, there's, <laughs> as, as do I. And the, the courts that I play at, it um, is in the corner of two different high schools that get out at the same time. Oh, my and gosh. And so when we play, all of a sudden, the place will be surrounded by hundreds of high schoolers. And the things that I hear... <laughs> And the things that I see are actually terrifying, where I'm like, yeah. I feel kind of afraid. None of these yeah. kids seem afraid, but I'm like genuine. If any other adult treated any other adult like this, we would all tighten up a little bit. Yep. <laughs> the things they're shouting, the number the number of racial slurs, it's insane. And I'm like, yeah. so um, do you have any arguments for um, for the, the wonders of high schoolers that you want to share? <laughs> I, okay, yeah, they have a lot of flaws, as everyone does, but I definitely had many conversations about racial slurs and why that's not good. Right. Um, Yeah, I've had many of those conversations. They're very moldable in a lot of ways, so you can have those conversations. Cool. I think I honestly just love 
their honesty. Like, yeah. they're not afraid to say what they're thinking for the most part. And yeah, people I can aren't tell. like, yeah, you definitely have to have tough skin when you're hanging out with teenagers, but they're fun. Like, they're yeah. honest and you can, like, pick on them and they're not going to be mad about it. They, yeah. like, just do it back to you. And yeah. I don't know. They're, I that's mean, I don't have a lot to say, but I do love them. <laughs> no, that's good. I mean, I mean, it sounds like you're saying like, well, they'll they'll say whatever they mean, and if the, what they mean is something bad, you can like talk to them, and they're yeah. still redeemable. You know, they're yeah. not they're not set in any particular way. Right. So if they say something awful, you can open them up to actually change. Versus like an adult saying something like that, it's like probably stay clear of that guy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You you should be actually scared of them if you hear something yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> Yeah. I like that. Okay. Yeah. I recently feel like the the process of getting older is just learning how to guard yourself more and more and more, mm-hmm. um, which I think is a very cynical way of growing up rather than becoming more and more uh, transparent like, yeah. like teenagers. That's very interesting. That's a good trait. Moving to your album. How many songs? How are you feeling? <laughs> um, I am feeling good. We are kind of down to the wire with it, with recording. We're pretty much down to doing final vocals on everything um, and then background vocals, and we will be pretty much done with it. There are 10 songs and a poem, which is weird, but it's kind of a poem that, that I then take some of the lyrics from the poem or words from the poem and turn it into a song. In a, yeah. in, a, in a later song or in like the poem turns into a song? The poem turns into a song. Oh, yeah. sick. Yeah. It's kind of like a poem and then an outro to the poem in a way. Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah. I like that. We have So we have three of the songs pretty much completely done. Well, two of them are already out that'll be on the album. And then right. my third single, which I'm going to put out probably the end of this month, cool. is done except Garrett needs to mix and master at my producer. Yeah, the other ones, I think we have, like, I, we did final vocals yesterday on a couple. I think we have, like, six or probably six more to do final vocals on. That's still a bit. Yeah. <laughs> how, how, long is, how long has the um, process been going? Like, tell me a little bit about the, like, road so far. Because it yeah. seems like the, 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 there's, there's still a little bit to go. Yeah, we, we started in June with mm-hmm. my first single, and Garrett had a lot. Do you know Garrett? I feel like I, I guess you could say kind of like okay. I've never seen his face other than through your YouTube videos. Okay. So, but we've emailed a few times, and yeah. lots of people that I've talked to have spoken very kindly about Garrett. Yeah. He's one so of the like, best humans on the planet, so that makes yeah, sense. <laughs> the emails that he sends are incredibly caring, and mm-hmm. um, it's hard to say no to someone who cares about people that much. Yes. And so he, I've had multiple conversations with strangers just because Garrett asked in a particular way. Yeah. <laughs> and it and it's great because I get to meet wonderful people. Yeah. But I can t- I, it's because I know that there's someone caring like him on the other end. Mm-hmm. That I'm like willing to like go through a bit of uncertainty. So it's, yes. it's it's funny how much I've trusted him for literally never meeting him. Well, you're right to trust him because he he's trustworthy. Um, he's my brother too. Mm-hmm. If, okay, yeah. Um, what what number brother is he? He's number six. 
Okay. So he's four, five years older than me. Okay. Um, so we started in June, but he had a lot of clients and he was working another full-time job. He was working in construction before. He was a estimator, project manager. He did a lot of things. So he was doing a lot of like nights and weekends with a lot of other artists that he was working with. And a lot of those projects were wrapped up. So this month, we've really been hitting it hard on my album. Cool. I've been there multiple days a week. And when I'm not there, he's usually working on it. Yeah, th- it's kind of crazy how much the songs have transformed in the last few weeks. Like, the first two took so long that when we got to January, I was like, how are we going to finish eight more songs yeah. in one month, pretty much? Yeah. And... They really all have like come together so much. Um, cool. It's crazy to see that. So yeah, and it, it's nice because I'm my schedule is very flexible working for myself, and he is no longer working construction. He hasn't been since the beginning of the month, so he's doing music full time now. And so we've been able to spend a lot of concentrated time on it. What have been some of the challenges as you've continued to like transform the songs? Like, did you come in pretty bare bones, just like these are the melodies, these are the chords? Like, what do you think we should add on to it? Or, like, did you have... Um, I know you had, like, reference tracks and, like, that kind of a thing. Was there, like, pushback and then you ended up, like, making it totally different? Or, like, how, how is... Has it been pretty straightforward? Or has it been pretty curvy? I feel like almost all of the songs have been pretty straightforward. I wrote all of them on guitar. It would ju- I just came to the studio with me, my acoustic guitar. I had pretty much had the arrangement done. But as far as anything else, I hadn't nothing and it, this yeah. is my first time ever recording so i didn't even cool. know what to expect going into it so yeah i kind of brought him in and he just started adding stuff onto it and most of the time when i'm in the studio i'm just sitting there while he's doing stuff and i'm giving the okay or i'm saying can we do this a little different or i like what you're doing but can we do this note instead of that note just kind mm-hmm. of like adding stuff on he does guitar and bass and synth and all this stuff so we'll build like a demo and then my brother clay who is the one in between me and Garrett, are, nice. is a drummer. So then we'll bring him in, and he drums on it. I found a drummer for my band in the midst of this process. So he, his name's Cole. He drummed on two of them, but the cool. rest of them are my brother, Clay. Yeah, so it's really been pretty straightforward. The only one it, that was not as straightforward was Villain, which is my next single. Cool. And that one, we kind of built the whole track and had a whole a whole demo. Cole recorded drums for the demo, and I played it live, and you know went through all of that, and just decided that I didn't like it, <laughs> and it wasn't what I imagined in my head. So we kind of completely stripped it down and restarted it. But that's really the only one that was difficult to get through. I think in your your EPK, you talked about writing songs your whole life. That's a lot of songs to have written between mm-hmm. then and recording your first EP now. Because n- normally when when I would think about a lot of the people I know who want to write songs, they're like, oh, I want to write songs so I can share it with people. It's like very much like about sharing it with people. So like when you were first getting started, how old were you and like what were some of your motivations about writing songs? Was it just like a journaling kind of a thing for you? Yeah, I think that when I started, I started before I could play instruments and I started playing piano when I was seven. So I, I would say when I could start writing, (laughs) like actually physically writing, I was writing songs. Um, so probably about six, I started writing, obviously they sucked, but 
Um, it was definitely a processing tool for me. It always has been. I found a paper one day a while back that had lyrics to a song that I wrote before I could play instruments. And it was like, my brother did this and I ran to my room and I cried and like, <laughs> just so dramatic. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's always been processing. I was always really scared to show people my songs. I didn't want to. I had a couple of like really close friends that I would share them with if I liked it enough to share. Yeah. Um, but I didn't even want my parents to hear them. I I was very shy about it. And even to this day, like it is still a processing tool. I'm definitely now more writing because I enjoy writing and not always because I need to process something. That's always been a underlying motivation for sure yeah i feel like it's always so easy to look back on lyrics of youth and be like oh man i'm such like a crap writer like look at all this like like, what what do you even have to complain about like your life's not that hard but at the time it is yeah you know and like so i i'm always like torn because i'm like yeah i i don't want to like shit on my on my previous self but i do I, I do want to, like, pick up on themes, like, how, like, what what themes do you find in your younger self? Like, obviously, there's processing, but, like, do you find, like, a, a few overlying or, like, a few, like, predominant emotions of, like, oh, I felt kind of, like, angry a lot. Like, I was angry at my brothers a lot, or I was, like, r- regardless of, like, the quality of, you know, the poetry and the lyrics, like, what <laughs> what are you, what are you seeing as you're looking back in your previous writings from young? Yeah, I think anger is definitely a big one. My family is all very passive, and... <laughs> um, <laughs> That'll do it. Yep, so I think I've grown up knowing that I can't have big emotions and being the only girl with seven older brothers I looked up to them and I wanted them to like me and being dramatic did not make them like me so Mm. you know when I had big emotions I would just shove them down and then they would come out in my writing so anger is definitely one that is a big emotion that I had that would come out in my writing I definitely feel like underlying sadness in a lot of it too I wasn't like a sad angry kid overall by any means I had a happy childhood for the most part but in those moments of heightened emotion it was anger with underlying sadness I think (laughs) yeah absolutely did you ever um there's this there's this dude called uh Gabor Mate and he wrote this book called the curse of the gifted child I've heard of it but I haven't read it it's pretty good. It's basically about how um, there's like a, it's like a survival, and I'm going to butcher whatever, you know, the moral, <laughs> of, whatever the moral of this book yeah. is. This is like my vague rememberings of years ago when I read it. But like what I got out of the book was like, it's a survival technique of children to think that they had a good childhood and that it is actually your brain's job to be like, no, I had a good childhood. I had a happy childhood. Mm-hmm. I was a happy child. <laughs> Yeah. But then, like, we look back and we see certain things like, wow, I was riddled in anger and sadness. And, like, why was it that our generation was the one that was, like, listening to Linkin Park on full blast? It's like, <laughs> yeah. that's a lot of anger. And it's very interesting that there's, like, a yeah. whole group of people our age who, like, really resounded with that. And not, it wasn't rock. It was, like, <laughs> angry, <laughs> angry rock. Yeah. It was repressed. 
is what it like that's the the main emotion of like needing to fit into a certain mold that you don't fit into mm-hmm. i think it's really interesting to look back on the types of things that i wrote during that time and also the kind of music that i gravitated toward during that yeah. time and being like it's hard to justify because of you know you can have a loving family and still feel all these things yeah definitely yeah that's just an uh, that's that's just a thought in your EPK, you had a cryptic line, which I always love a good cryptic line because it means I can ask about it. Said after going to therapy for the first time, you started <laughs> performing your songs that you wrote. <laughs> tell me about tell me about your route with therapy. Tell me about that therapy session. That it seems like that was the event that yeah. triggered this change. So like, tell me about was it like your first time, like your actual first time seeing a therapist? It was my. F- I guess it wasn't my first therapy session, but it was my first time with a therapist. So it was Ah. this therapist that got me there. I would say it was probably five sessions in-ish that the event happened, as you say. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And I think I've, going along with the repressed theme, I have repressed the desire for a really long time to record my music. I think I was insecure about it. I think one of the things growing up as a youngest child with very talented older brothers is I always felt insecure about my level of skill compared to their level of skill in music. I always loved their songwriting, their guitar playing, all this stuff, and I didn't measure up in my mind. So I was kind of like, well, I shouldn't record then because I'm not good enough. And there's a social norm I don't know how it is on the West Coast, but in the Midwest, it's very like if you're putting yourself out there, then you're full of yourself and being full of yourself is a bad thing. Mm -hmm. And so I saw putting myself out there in music as a bad thing because I thought people would be like, oh, she thinks she's so cool. She thinks she's so good. And my natural response is to be like, no, I know I'm not that good, which is also not great. (laughs) You know? So it was kind of just a battle in my head. And I... I've, like I said, I've been writing music since I was really little, and I've always wanted to. I kind of just pushed it down for so long. And I started going to therapy because I was feeling really unmotivated. It was the first time, you know, I was running my own business, so I had to work on my own schedule. I didn't have someone else telling me what to do. Mm-hmm. I was really struggling to get my editing done and not just waste time throughout the day. Right. I was feeling anxious more than normal. Through these therapy sessions, you know, the first session, my therapist basically pointed out everything that was going on and was just saying all of these words that really validated my feelings and helped me to understand what was happening. And which blew my mind that she could do that after spending 50 minutes with me. Um, But then over time, throughout, she knew that I enjoyed playing music. But then like a few sessions later, she was kind of like, like, it seems like you don't actually like photography. Like, you don't want to mm. be doing that. Yeah. Which was weird for her to say because I, I do enjoy photography. It's my favorite job I've had so far. I, I enjoy working from home and, and working for myself. So it didn't make sense that she was saying that. Well, she was like, well, maybe you, there's just something that you would rather be doing. She's like, what about music? And and we just had this long conversation about it. And I was thinking about logistics and just all these different things that were barriers for me. And she and she kind of talked me through them. And was like, here's how you get around this barrier and this barrier. And one of the things was scheduling my time. So I spend two hours editing and then I can have two hours to play music. And yeah. then like kind of blocking my schedule out so that I didn't feel so overwhelmed. 
But yeah, she kind of helped me get through those roadblocks and mental blocks of why I wasn't doing it. And that one session, it was just like a light bulb went off and I went to Garrett and was like, hey, can you record an album with me? And yeah, it's been great since then. There's so much to unpack in that. Not being able to measure up to your older brothers, I could not, I cannot imagine that having seven people to look up to. Mm-hmm. I have one person to look up to. <laughs> and when there's only two of you, you just take up your own space. You're like, okay, you be good at those things. I'll be good at these things. Yeah. And we'll just both look at each other in awe and be like, you're incredible in this way that I could never be. And the other one's like, you're incredible in this way that I could never be. And it's just mm-hmm. like, it's a very nice situation because it's like, yeah. I don't, you know, there's no middle child. You just, <laughs> you just both, <laughs> you just both take half the traits and run. How do your brothers feel about you pursuing music? Like, what is clearly Garrett? Hopefully, Garrett believes in you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he'd spend this much time with me if he didn't believe in me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, what? Um, have you been able to like bring this up to some of your other brothers? And like, what is? Or some some of your family? Like, what has some of their response been? Obviously, yeah, Garrett's really supportive. Um, immediately when I told him, he's like, yes, let's do it. My family's supportive. Because there's so many of us, it's hard for us to be super supportive of everyone in the family. Yeah, it's a um, lot of people. Yeah, and yeah. we... It's basically two families. Yeah, right. So... It's not like anyone's been like, you shouldn't be doing this. They're all supportive. They're all happy yeah. for me. Yeah. Um, but there's definitely different like levels of support. They all have kids. They yeah, can't yeah, come yeah. to everything and all this stuff. But yeah, I mean, I don't know if I've really had any like super deep conversations about not measuring up with them and things like that. Huh. But yeah. <laughs> um, interesting. it's such a, it's a weird dynamic being a part of such a big family because we all really, really love each other and... We see each other at family events, but when it's family events, there's 36 people and you can't really have deep conversations because there's just so much going on in a tiny space. Yeah. There are definitely a few of my brothers that I would have deep conversations with, but Mm -hmm. we just aren't always put in those spaces that it's like safe to do that in a way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But I know they're all supportive of me and excited for me and... I have had another brother that just came and hung out in the studio one day and played some guitar on one of the tracks. And yeah, I don't know. (laughs) Does that answer your question? Yeah, that's cool. I mean, it's cool to be able to have three brothers actually on the record. Yeah. Like that's like half the family's on the record. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And I could have all of them if I wanted to, if they had time to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But no, I, I totally understand. There's, um, my my wife is a part of a very big family and um similarly you got people who are in their 40s with like five kids so it's just like yeah. what do you what do you i i can't expect anything <laughs> yeah <laughs> from you you're very busy yeah <laughs> you got a lot you got a lot going on okay interesting another another theme was um you mentioned pursuing music would mean that you were full of yourself you you asked like if it's different on the west coast and it is but like in the bad way <laughs> okay <laughs> where it's like i i think there's such a value here on the west coast for pursuing your own personal happiness sometimes that comes at the cost of the communal responsibility of like Mm -hmm. what i think it's a really important thing to think about like what responsibility do we have to each other as people and when you go 
when you go super hard into like what's my responsibility to the community you end up with a little bit of repression yeah and like and like life aimlessness and when you lean really hard into like well, what is it that i want to do i me what does me want mm-hmm. then you also end up with like hopelessness and aimlessness because it's i i i've felt the most balanced i'll say when i'm living my life both for myself and for the community and yeah. when you when you pick just one it gets really hollow and there is time for both and it feels like and as you pursue both you end up pushing both forward i've noticed like mm-hmm. when i'm when i'm pursuing community you know some of these people i might end up working with but it just makes me happier so i'm better when i'm working yeah and like when i'm working really 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 hard then i have something to say when i'm in community <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> There's like something to actually catch up about. Right. Because I'm working really hard and like, and I want to share like some of the insights that I'm building. So yeah, I would agree that there's, that's a very tricky thing to navigate, especially, I would imagine, especially as a woman. And can you tell me a bit how you worked through that feeling of, I mean, it's not even just a feeling, it's a reality. Like this, this is how you will be perceived Yeah. by a uh, Maybe not all, but maybe like probably some of your peers. Yeah. And how did you work through the reality that like I'm gonna have to push through some people thinking I'm full of myself and I'm gonna have to have that kind of self-confidence to be like, you're allowed to think things that are wrong about me. You're allowed to speak ill of me. Like that's a terrifying thing to say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I grew up as a people pleaser. So yeah, it's very yeah. terrible to go through in a way. Um, I think I worked through it just doing it scared. Um, (laughs) I don't think I, I think my, I mean, honestly, my whole life I've been like that. Um, my mother-in-law always says that I'm really brave, but I, or that I'm not scared of anything is what she says. And I just don't agree with that. I'm scared of everything, but I just do things anyways. Mm -hmm. I think that's definitely one of the good things that came from being the youngest child and wanting to be like my brothers is I would just do whatever they were doing, even if I was scared of doing it because I wanted to be like them. I'm going a really roundabout way to answer your question. Go for it. Take your time. (laughs) There were people by the end of high school, I always saw myself as a very passive nice person but when it got to the end of high school some people told me that they were always intimidated by me which just didn't make sense to me because I I didn't feel adequate a lot and Mm -hmm. I mean I was good at school but it's like socially I didn't necessarily feel adequate I was in I went to high school in like a very rich town and my family we weren't like super poor but we definitely didn't have the means to live like a lot of people there were living so there was kind of a socioeconomic gap between me and my peers and I was very my parents were very strict growing up I was super Christian so I was um there was a social gap there a little bit in the high school realm Mm -hmm. so I I mean I never felt like intimidating but I think it was because I just did things and pretended almost and I have RBF so that's not help but um (laughs) But, and then I, okay, we're moving on. I need to move away from high school. (laughs) I'm like, how do I make this a little bit shorter? (laughs) Um, And then I went to the prom. Yeah, I know, right? (laughs) Um, I could tell you every story about when I did things that I was scared of doing. But I think that eventually it just came down to, 
I needed to start doing it. I knew that that's what I needed to do to make myself happy. I don't know that I've worked through it really. Like I still struggle with it sometimes. And even like living in the very small town that we were living in and we were, I was a teacher, youth pastor. Like we were people in the community that everybody knew and everyone was always judging what we were doing. And I think moving away from that town was a big step towards that because I then lived in a place where I could go to Walmart and not see someone I knew Yeah, <laughs> and have feeling a little bit more anonymous makes you a little bit more bold, I think. So there was that element when I decided I needed to pursue music. I just did it. I just like started posting. It's interesting because I did lose tons of followers at first. Huh. And I think a lot of them were people from my past that didn't like seeing me in a different way. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I mean, there was like, I took it too far for a while and like tried to see who was not following me anymore. Yeah. And it was like people who I considered to be close friends. Oh. And it, and so it was kind of interesting, like for a while I was kind of like, what is happening? I'm not even, I'm not posting mean things. And part of it too, I think was 2020 happened. There's a lot of justice movements, and I was posting about those things. I think a lot of people didn't want to see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there was a lot of that happening. But then even... But that was before I really started pursuing music, too, though. So I don't know. It was weird. And I think having those experiences right at the beginning where people were like, what is she doing? I don't want to see this anymore. It's like, okay, I just have to decide now. If you don't want to be a part of my life, then that's fine. And I need to move on from it. And yeah. I'm meeting lots of new people who really love me and want to be a part of my life. So I'm just going to stick with those people and I'm going to keep doing me, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What, what do you make of people or like, how, how do you understand people unfollowing you I mean, a, apart from maybe they don't want to see that kind of a thing. Do you do you have a sense of like why someone would unfollow you for posting about your own music? W- w- reposting about your own music stuff? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So like why have you been able to like think about like why like an old friend would do that? I haven't come up with anything good. Yeah. <laughs> I think I've I've definitely thought about it. I mean it a couple of them, like, it hurt, you know? Yeah. Like, people that I considered to be friends, I think... I mean, well, I guess there is one thing that I could say, potentially. I did change my name on there. So maybe people were just confused by that. <laughs> yeah. But... They're like, who's Arcelia? <laughs> but if you go went to my page, it's all... Like, my face is still all over it. Yeah, I'm still yeah. posting. Like, I have videos explaining that when I changed my name. Yeah. Um, and I think, again, I, I feel like it goes back to people are just like, oh, she now just thinks she's great. So I don't really, I'm not interested in that anymore. I don't know. That's interesting. Really it's It's such a big identity shift to like see mm-hmm. someone, like imagine someone that you know, who you care about, who you're friends with, who you're very familiar with, and then they change their name and then they start acting differently and then they're like, on the internet in your in like your experience like you you're you're having all of this bubble up under the surface and the whole time you're like this arcelia kent character hidden by this mask of like Mm -hmm. how you're projecting outward and meanwhile everyone else is like really relating to the mask 
and that's like why you built it in the first place and yeah. so as soon as you set it down people are like who the was everything a lie and it's kind yeah. of like yeah kind of <laughs> <laughs> totally. because yeah part of part of why i acted that way is because i i'm a people pleaser and like i'm saying this as myself like i'm not <laughs> i'm not even yeah, putting yeah. this all on you i'm like i'm like very much relating to this and being like yeah there's a lot of there's a lot of that where you have to acknowledge that like yeah a lot of that is just my desire to make other people happy and it's not necessarily me i i didn't mm-hmm. know who i was I, I i didn't give myself that luxury for a long time yeah geez what a wonderful time of transition and change you have entered my gosh yeah this last year has been been a huge change my yeah. hair also used to be long and brown so yeah <laughs> like having a short like that was another thing where it was like I'm just ready I'm ready for a change I'm just trying to do things that I've wanted to do that I haven't because of what other people think and I still struggle with that like especially coming from such a like conservative Christian background mm-hmm. I feel nervous to even post a picture of me like with this much of my like an inch of my stomach showing or something because sure. it's like yeah. I'm I'm I don't feel uncomfortable wearing it but I am scared that I'm going to be judged by it. Yeah. I mean it's just I'm always having a little bit of that battle but then in the end it's like well I always just think about like is my heart in the right place? Am I being kind to people? Am I like the things that actually matter? I'm mm-hmm. trying to make sure that those things are still in place and trying not to worry so much about all of those like legalistic things that people can get upset about. Absolutely. So, uh just just a little bit of context on me. I I I was kind of raised Christian, but I became uber Christian in college. I also like was leading the 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 college youth band through through my senior year but because i wasn't born with it i carry almost none of the baggage of like lifelong stuff so the majority of stuff that you're going through my wife is going through the exact same thing and it is tough (laughs) um it is it is very tough and i think like part of part of the struggle is like you have such a firm tight um belief structure that has no holes and the holes that it has has oodles and oodles of defenses that you can read books on to cover up those holes and then when that doesn't hold up for you anymore you kind of move over here and you're like i don't now all i see is holes (laughs) 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 so i don't i don't really know yeah you you kind of need something not to replace but to like upgrade or supplement or change and like one of the as i've continued to change as an adult like the main thought that i keep coming back to as like my North Star is like this idea of like, who are you living for? This is something that Paul talks about, I think, in Galatians, where he was like, if I was living for the approval of man, I'd be like this, but I don't. <laughs> He's like, I did like, and that being like the whole, the majority of Christianity, as I've witnessed people in, in your scenario, people who were born with it, there, so much of it is around pacifying the desires of others. And that, that, my experience with that, even in college, matches up quite a bit. Um, not as much, but, like, a, a, a fraction. So I can, like, see <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, totally. But, like, I feel like so much of, like, the freedom of becoming an artist, which you can argue is selfish or selfless, it's for sure not meeting the expectations of people. 
That's yeah. if, if we can say what it is, is it's for sure not meeting the expectations <laughs> of others because right. it's something that you're doing. You know, that's something that was born in you, you know, since you were a kid, you know, your yeah. whole family, like it makes sense that that's a huge part of you. It's probably your destiny or a piece of your destiny to be pursuing yeah. it, you know? Right. And so the fact that others would do do on it is so sad, you know? So it's like that, that's, that's one of the things that I just keep coming back to being like, oh man, you just have to like continue to, as you grow up, continue to let go yeah. of the approval of others and being like, who am I serving here? <laughs> I am absolutely like not going to live my life for the for the approval of others. And then it comes down to whatever it is you're you're actually interested in. Um, yeah, that's just I guess a speech. I don't know. No, um, I I feel like I'm in a therapy session right now. This is great. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. It's something that I th- I think about a lot. This is the predominant story of the people that I talk to. Mm-hmm. Is your story the the role of like religion used to be this thing that would fund art. Like yeah. it was like the relationship between the church and artists historically has been good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and like you don't you don't think about some of like the great composers as Christian artists. But like they're funded by churches and granted like Beethoven and Bach like rule what pop is made of currently like it's it's confusing. I don't get it. Times have ch- I mean, the church has changed so much since it started. Yeah. And I mean, there's been different eras of the church, obviously, since Jesus. But yeah, yeah, it's all <laughs> it's all very just mainstream now and very focused on a. I mean, obviously, not every church is the same, but no, it's all very that, yeah. focused. It's very like, different. I guess maybe I should say that. The typical American church is very focused just on their little Sunday morning service, and that's has nothing to do with anything else outside the church. So, yeah, yeah, it's definitely not doesn't have the same focuses. I don't think that it that it originally was intended to have. Sure, yeah, <laughs> I can get, I, I get behind that. I have a I have a couple extra questions that I want to ask you before we before we wrap up. Do you have any best gig or worst gig stories that you want to share? Best gig or worst gig stories? Okay, best gig was the one I did this month in, Jan- in well, I guess in January. It's now February. It was at the Lo-Fi Lounge, which is a venue in Indianapolis. Joshua Powell, who is a local artist, asked me to open for him and Motel Breakfast, which is an art uh, band from Chicago. It was, I mean, the room was super full. Everybody was so nice. It was kind of like out of the blue, like I wasn't expecting it to happen. And, and this was my first full band show too. So I, it's, cool. you're asking best and worst, but I've really only played a handful of shows. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I've played, I'm also in my sister-in-law's band, so I've played shows like with her, but as myself, I've only played a handful. I mean, that one, that show was super fun. It was my first time. I, again, faking it till I make it pretending I know what I'm doing like that's like a theme throughout my whole life you know I I got an email can you send your stage check info and I'm like what is that (laughs) I mean I didn't ask that I went to Garrett and was like what is that yeah and then he was like here's an example and I was like okay and then I like you know went into illustrator and made my own and then sent it to them and I felt like I learned a ton through that show so that was a really great thing about it and then it was also just super fun and I met a lot of really great people worst experience I can't say that any of them have been bad honestly okay great my worst experience 
if I had to rank them would be my first show because it yeah. was scary. Yeah. <laughs> it was still fun and everyone was super nice, but it was like a there's probably like 50, 60 people there and it was in a like vintage thrift shop. It was very intense because I was on the floor and there was no like light on me. It was just I could see everyone's faces and it was super tight, which cool. just felt like really intense. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and scary because it was my first one, but it was still a good experience. So I don't really <laughs> okay, have a bad one. <laughs> great. Do you have any books that you've um, been reading or been moving or helpful to you in the last year or two? That have been helpful to me? Yeah, it doesn't have like, to be. It doesn't have to be a self help book. Could be like a fiction okay. book. Literally anything that has been. You're like, oh, I feel like this is worth reading. I have been reading a lot more the last couple of years. I mean, there are a ton of good ones. I read, you know, the classic ones that are popular right now, like Malibu Rising. What's the one? There was just a movie that came. Where the Wild Thing? No. Crawdads. Where the Crawdad Sings. Yeah. Okay, that one was like mind blowing to me. I actually okay, really great. loved that book. Maybe that one. I don't know if I got any like super moral things from it, but you don't need to. I don't know. Okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> it could just. It's just. Is it worth reading? That's oh all. no. Okay, no. I have one that actually does have some moral implications, and it is by Backman. I'm gonna look it up real quick because I cannot remember the name. I oh, know it's called Us Against Them. I would cool. say read that one. And do we have a a date for when Villain comes out at the moment? We don't have a date but it should be i think it's gonna get finished up within the next week so then it'll be about a month from now okay end awesome. of february beginning of march okay cool yeah. well great i think that's uh that's all the questions that i have do you have anything else you want to say promote express this is so dumb that i want to say this right now but <laughs> <laughs> what a great what an it's exciting from, like, prelude literally, it's from the very first sentence that you said i think which we talked about pickleball. Yeah. <laughs> and one of my songs talks about pickleball. Oh, yeah. Which love I just that. thought was really like funny meta instance right there that we talked about that. I love that. Um, but yeah, so album comes out. My album is also titled Villain. So cool. Villain is going to be the title track. It's about different stories in my life where I saw myself or people saw me as the villain. I saw them as the villain or it was just like someone else's life where I saw a villain in their life. So mm-hmm. it's just all of the stories are themed around that. If you're in Indianapolis, I'm playing at the Spark Coffee Shop on February 18th. I don't know when this podcast is coming out. Maybe it... I can get it up before then. Peace okay. cake. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's it. Follow me on Instagram, TikTok, Great. all that good stuff. Great. Arcelia yeah. Kent, thank you so much. I'll go ahead and clap us out. Thank you kindly for listening to the podcast. It's really just an excuse for me to meet amazing people and learn from them. So if you like this episode, feel free to take a look at some of the other artists I've talked to or let me know if there's someone in your life who's a musician that you'd like me to talk to next. You can learn more about my music at ConnorCherland.com or find me on Instagram or Spotify under Connor Cherland, C-O-N-N-E-R-C-H-E-R-L-A-N-D. All right, see ya.